In the episode 1366 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at Sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. This is original FDH Lounge dignitary Rick Morris here, along with fellow original FDH Lounge dignitary Chris Galloway. We're going through division by division doing our NFL preview for the season. Our previous segment was on the AFC East, and as is custom on this show when we're doing this, we get all the big picture stuff for the season out of the way. So go check out what is basically, I think, the first half of that podcast and any of the big picture issues for the season. We tackle them there. The rest of the way, it's just uh, division by division as we go through. And uh, what I'm going to do for each division is... Uh, from Fantasy Football Draftology 2021, available on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com and the fdhlounge.com. One of the things in there is I have my one run-on sentence for each team in each division. So I'm going to get my major points out of the way for each team here, and then we'll kind of go through and react from there. For the AFC North, and this and this is in the order of finish, by the way, so I have the Cleveland Browns, my Cleveland Browns, and Chris's Cleveland Browns, Going first here, and uh, for the Browns, I say, with the most complete starting 22 this side of Tampa, the Browns even have as much depth as is possible at many positions. Baltimore, for all of the championship hype, Lamar Jackson remains guilty until proven innocent when behind in big games, and the team is weaker than usual in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Cincinnati, they still need help on the line, which is no small thing in terms of protecting Joe Burrow and in the secondary, But even in the tough AFC, they are a stealth playoff contender. Pittsburgh, a noodle-armed quarterback and putrid offensive line, place an undue burden on the defense, leading to a season that will resemble the stretch run of 2020. So those will be controversial takes in some quarters, Chris Galloway, but I know you probably don't agree with me much uh, on any of them. No, I I think we're we're aligned in many ways on the AFC North. I I agree. I've got the Browns. I've got the Browns winning the AFC North. I, I and that's mostly because I I just refuse to be a believer in Lamar Jackson. Right. Um. I think it's cute to have a running back as your quarterback. <laughs> um. But until he can show that he can throw outside the numbers deep, um, and mid range uh, effectively, I think at some point uh, teams are. But as they've done in the playoffs, they are working on how they are going to uh, end him in terms of contain him. And uh, I think you see the Browns continuing to draft in that way to try to prepare for him. For example, the increased defensive speed across the board for Cleveland now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jadavion Clowney can set the edge very well. Um, Probably one of the best in the league at it. Um, They went last year, again, uh, getting Phillips at linebacker, big, fast. JOK in the draft this past year uh, at linebacker. Um, who died? 
John Johnson III. So they they know what they need to do to contain Lamar. And, and again, in his credit, that's easier said than done when you're a world-class athlete like he is. And if things break down, and we saw it last year in that what was probably the best game of the season in the NFL, that Monday night game in Cleveland, mm-hmm. uh, Browns, Browns, Ravens. Um, it was a shootout, and the Ravens won because the Browns defense could not contain Lamar Jackson's feet. Yeah, and so, um, but if you can find a way to do it, uh, that team is, is one dimensional, and they've shown that if you get up on them. Because that then relies on his arm, they don't have the ability to come back and and, and win a game it, once once a defense can pin their ears on him. Yep. So that for that reason alone, everybody picking the Ravens to win the division. I'm with you. I don't. I pick the Browns, and that's not to say the Browns are perfect. They've got question marks uh, all over their team. What? No, I thought they were best you know roster in the league right now. Well, they might be top to bottom, but I still think that it's too a premium on guys like Grant Delpit. Um, you know, guys. Uh, you know, guys staying healthy. Ron Harris has got to stay healthy and stay on the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're already seeing it. The Browns have lost their four string tight end um, already. Uh, Mac Wilson's banged up. Uh, we haven't seen Walker now for a week. Tack McKinley, we don't even know what's going on there. Right. I, I'm going to assume, and I'm sympathetic that the young man is dealing with some sort of mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's concerning because I know the Browns were relying on him in an early in the offseason through OTAs and minicamp. He looked fantastic off the eight, off the edge with Connie moving inside. Yep. That looked like that was going to be an absolute killer of a lineup for the Browns defensively. And I right now I have to say, I don't know that we're gonna see it. And and I and I can guarantee you Andrew Barry has talked to Olivier Vernon's representatives and said, How's the rehab coming? We may need you come week nine. Right. So don't count that one out yet. Um, I, I'm predicting the Browns will be in a spot where they that they will sign Vernon midseason and bring him back to the stretch run. Interesting. So a little, little, little something, something there for you. Okay. Um, so the Browns have quite, and they have questions too at cornerback, right? Newsom's a Newsom's a rookie and greedy. Greedy looks so rusty. He didn't have a very good rookie season. He lost all of last year. Um, I don't know that we can trust Greedy. Um, and Newsom, I, again, that was a pick I wanted. I think he's going to be a star. But again, rookie cornerbacks tend to struggle. Right. So I don't know that you can sit back and say, oh, they're all set now. They're, you know, have they upgraded? They've got Troy Mill in the slot. They've got John Johnson the third, who has been absolutely everything. Yep. The Browns had hoped for to this point in camp. He has been fantastic. Um, Anthony Walker's been fantastic. And a guy that I, that's banged up now, and a guy that I absolutely, I, I love the guy, right? Uh, and that is Mac Wilson. I, I've loved this guy since we got him in terms of his attitude, right? He's been so pro-Cleveland, pro-Cleveland uh, Browns, like very, you know, just very, just, like wanting to be a team player and be a Cleveland guy, he's he's bought in, right? He's the opposite of Alex Mack, and so for that reason, I like the guy. 
Um, but I will tell you, at the end of last year, and as we made changes in the offseason, um, you know, with all the linebacker acquisitions, I mean, I think you I had talked at some point, and I'm like, I don't, you know, I think Mac Wilson's in trouble. He's on the ball. I don't think he's yeah. going to make this roster, mm-hmm. right, with all this new talent. I got to give the guy props. You talk about training hard in the offseason, coming in, being dialed in. Um, I mean, he's had a fantastic offseason in camp. And I was a, a guy that I thought three, four months ago was not going to make this roster, you know, even though personally I liked him. And oh, by the way, Browns fans that have been trashing him in the offseason, can you not do that on social media? I mean, you know, just because the guy may or may not have made the roster, he's still a good dude. Yeah. You to, you know, these people, these people on social media annoy me at times. Sure. Um, just at times? Yeah, well, always, right? Um, so, uh, so, 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 but Mac Wilson, I mean, look, he just got injured. That guy, in my mind, had penciled himself in as a starter. Right. I mean, he had, he had performed so far in camp wonderfully. So the Browns have fixed a lot, right? Yep. But there's still question marks. You know, it's like the offseason hype about Andrew Billings. And, and I kept saying to myself, he was an average player at Cincinnati. He took a year off. We signed him to a cheap one-year contract for a reason. But, you know, media and fandom turned him into, you know, the second coming of, you know, Aaron Powell or something. I'm like, this guy's an average stopgap player that we're going to have for a year. Right. Um, and I think you saw in the Jacksonville game, uh, his run defense was pretty lousy. Yeah. So I, I, I think that hopefully is bringing fans a little bit down to earth on their expectations on some things. Our defensive tackles, I think, are a huge question mark right now. Huge. And that could end up being a, a big weakness. Chris, here's the, the thing, though. Here's the thing. And that's what's weird is on the tackles, you're right as far as the starters go. That if you were gun to my head, what's the one area of the team, whatever. Okay, maybe defensive tackle with the starters. But then the depth behind them. There's just a lot of bodies there, and I know some of them are young, but it's an uncommon amount of depth in there. So the chance of getting two guys out of all of those guys is still pretty good, I think. Well, keep in mind, you need four guys. Well, I mean, the tackles, the tackles. You're going to need four guys, and I'm not counting Clowney who will play inside a bunch. Well, I'm counting on that a little bit. (laughs) You're going to need four guys, and I'm assuming it's going to be Jackson, Billings, Elliott, and somebody. Right. Um... No, to your point, a lot of bodies and a lot of potential there, yes. right? And I think that, you know, my guess is it'll be it'll, it'll be Tommy Togiai, just based on his draft status. Sure. Will be, will be a, sort of the odd man in. And then I think we'll probably try to slide a guy like um, uh, Malik McDowell to the practice squad. Right. Um, who, as you remember, Going back three, four years, I loved that guy coming out of Michigan State. Right, and then of course he went crazy and had you know his own issues and screwed up his life and everything else, and never played a game. And it's been three years and he's rusty. But that guy, you, you see him still to this day on the practice fields. I mean, he's rusty and he's raw, and he's he, he's you could tell the guy hasn't played football in so many years. But man, is he's got the raw the raw. You know what? What you have there to mold is got to be so intriguing for them. Mm. He can keep his head on straight and fix his life, right? Right. Like he, you know, stop committing crimes. Stop. <laughs> you know, stop being an idiot. 
Um, and you might have a chance. So I think they're going to try to stash a, a couple of these guys on the practice squad. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I think the Browns are one of those rosters that other teams are going to target. When we release somebody, I, I wonder how many of these guys we're going to be able to slide through to the practice squad. Absolutely. We're not getting them, right. not getting them snatched. I guarantee you, based on our offensive line depth, these guys that we release on the offensive line, they're getting picked up all over the league. Right. I mean, they, they're, just, they're just gone. People are going to grab them. Um, because nobody has the offensive line depth that Cleveland Browns have. True. Now, all this said, all the doomsday and everything else that I've said, they win the division. Um, I, I think they're good for 12 wins. Um, but that doesn't mean that they are a perfect squad. And, um, you know, it's one of these teams that you're going to need to see come together and gel as the year goes on. And, and I think that by the end of the season, that's going to be a team that no one's going to want to face. But they, even they have questions. There's, there's no team that's that's perfect. Now, getting right. to the bottom of the division, um, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Like you, I believe that Cincinnati's in a position to surprise and jump into that third spot in the in in the division. Yep. But I am bothered by the reports out of Cincinnati. Um, about Joe Burrow's performance in in camp, um, it sounds a like a lot like a guy who's got the yips. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a guy who's suffering from some PTSD. Right, and I'm afraid that they may be regretting not taking a left tackle. Sure, um, in that position when they had the opportunity to. Now, most people said the tool. I was over Sean Slater guy. Either way. Um, that's that. That's what they should have done. They didn't do it. Um, and you're seeing, you're early on at least. Burrow is a guy who's behaving like he he just does not want to get hit, and he's skittish. And that's not going to work when it comes time to try to get the ball to that talented wide receiving core. If he settles down and he's the Joe from last year, Cincinnati absolutely has a legitimate chance to get into that third spot and to your point to be a dark horse wild card they're not going to get in but they're going to be that team that you know even in week 16 people are like still in the hunt you know when you watch the sunday morning show right you know cincinnati will still be on that board like still in the hunt they got a chance you know Mm -hmm. um and if you're a bengals fan that is that's really a a good sign you i think that cincinnati's biggest problem is they're gonna have you know they don't have a defense they have to outscore everybody right um and with that receiving core and if burrow goes back to being who started to show us in the first 10 weeks last year they could beat that team Mm -hmm. uh but we, we, there's still a, too many question marks there in my mind to put them in the playoffs. Um, Pittsburgh, you hit the head, you know you hit the nail on the head when you talk about Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh finishes last in the division. Right. I think that the biggest problem that they have is not Ben Roethlisberger; it's that offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think there has been a lot of sunshine being blown up a lot of asses this offseason by the media and others about how. Pittsburgh was is just going to rebuild that line on the flop that way. Okay, mm-hmm. they they replace they're replacing four guys on that line that haven't played together, haven't gelled 
even if they all peak out and, and have great years, which I, that's not going to happen. At best, they're going to manage to be an average line. Mm-hmm. I think there's a real probability that they're a terrible, terrible offensive line. Mm-hmm. Now, you throw in, let's throw in what they're also trying to install under Matt Canada as their offensive coordinator. Right. He wants to put a lot, you know, they want to rely on the run. Well, Najee Harris great running back. Yep. But that line isn't going to give him the ability to be a great running back. They're awful. In my opinion. Mm -hmm. So not only are they going to not fare well at doing that, not only are they going to struggle to protect Ben, who doesn't have what he had earlier in his career. You know, Ben is mostly washed. He has his moments where he can still perform. I think it's a great sign that he's coming in in good shape. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, he's 39, and he's going to be behind a shaky line. But the biggest problem for Ben is going to be what they're trying to install, which is a quarterback under center for most of the game, to try to hide and disguise that running game right? and the play action that they want to do. See, I think Roethlisberger, at his age right now, Rick, I, I think they have the right idea, actually, mm-hmm. to extend Roethlisberger's career. I actually do. Right. Which is, they're trying to run the ball and do play-action passes. Does that sound familiar, Browns fans? Right. That's what they want to do. And I actually think that that would benefit Ben enormously. To, you could even possibly, if you could succeed at that, extend his career one or two years, right? Right. Like, that offensive line is going to let him down. Because when they should have grabbed an offensive lineman, you know, in the first round, they took Harris. Right. Um, And that's, again, like the Bengals should have taken the offensive lineman because you could have gotten a running back later. Um, You could have gotten a Chuba Hubbard later in the the draft, the way the Panthers picked him up. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could have had a first-round offensive lineman, you know, blocking – for him and giving Ben protection. So I think what they want to do in concept is absolutely the right way to go. I just think that offensive line is going to fail them and they will not be able to score enough to keep up despite the fact that that defense was number one last year. They lost a couple, you know, keep people, but you know, they just went and picked up Joe Schobert on the trade. You know, they've revamped, they've got TJ Watt back, you know, that you know they're getting back you know that defense is still solid right right? but i don't think in this pass happy league that they're going to be able to compete offensively with that offensive line in order to win enough games to 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 compete for a playoff spot so they're going to be fighting with the bengals for that third place spot in the division so i actually think you what you've hit on in your descriptions is, is 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 pretty accurate well, here's how I have it specifically on the record. So I have the Browns winning the division at 13 and 4. I have Baltimore as a wild card at 12 and 5. Cincinnati, we both said, with a chance to surprise some teams here. I've got them at 9 and 8, and that's probably higher than a lot of people do. Now, again, I made my prediction on that before he got in there and started having the tough time in training camp here with the complete lack of uh, an offensive line. And, everything like that. Obviously, uh, you know, I'm not changing my, my record projection, so I, I'm obviously thinking they're going to get some things figured out as they go along here, although that's the major thing here is that uh, if their passing game can't carry them to that 9-8, and eight, 
than they will be in last place. I have Pittsburgh in last place at 7-10, and 10, so I'm guessing that those records are probably at least close to where you would slot those teams. Yeah, they're pretty close. I mean, I have I have the Browns at twelve and five, and, and the Bengals at eleven and six. So again, I mean the Ravens at eleven. I was going to say, nipping on, their, <laughs> nipping on their heels. Yeah, no, no, yeah, the, the Ravens nipping on their heels. Um, so uh, and and that's look, it's going to be a Ravens Browns race, and, yep. and that three week period where it's at Baltimore for Cleveland by well the while well, the Ravens go on the road to play Pittsburgh yep, and then at Cleveland. So the back-to-back Ravens games, that, that, that little stretch, that three-week stretch is going to decide the division right there. Um, and, and I think if, if, I think advantage Browns by starting in Baltimore, getting a bye, well, they have to go on the road to play Pittsburgh, and then being at home to play them again, I think is an advantage to, to Cleveland. And, um, you know, because even with, you know, even if Pittsburgh is down, that's a rivalry. It's always a physical game. And, you know, you'd rather have a bye week to prepare than having to go on the road um, and, and play the Steelers. So I think advantage Browns in that, and that's why I have them winning the division. If that's that stretch that's going to decide it. When you pointed that out to me, Chris, that they, the Ravens have the Steelers while we're on the bye, I got really excited because this goes back 10 years, 12 years, whatever. It's been the case really ever since it's been that that heated rivalry. And remember, these teams have played in the playoffs a couple times, Steelers and Ravens. But the whole car crash effect of the week after you play them, uh, what you come out like uh, when they're playing the next team. Sometimes that would be the case with Seattle, who at their, at their peak in the mid-2010s, the team that would uh, uh, be having to uh, play the week after they played, Seattle would come out kind of rough. So uh, if Pittsburgh, uh, for once in their life, consciously uh, does us a favor here, Chris, uh, that could really, really be sweet for the rematch with the Ravens. Well, don't forget, I think that's a point in the season where I think the Steelers will still be fighting for life. And that defense is still good and still physical. Yeah. So I think that that, I, again, that's that three week stretch is where I think the AFC North is decided. And again, I, I just I think it's advantage Browns in that regard. So that's why I've got Browns in first place, out you know just narrowly ahead of the Ravens in winning the division at twelve and five. So we basically uh, we concur on the uh, the order of teams in the division here, and uh, we shall see uh, as we go through here uh, in subsequent uh, segments here. Uh, where we see the Browns and the Ravens fitting in with our overall playoff predictions here. Uh, The playoff predictions overall will come when we're discussing the NFC West, the last of our divisions. The next one to come will be the AFC South. Thank you very much, Chris Galloway. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for this discussion of the AFC Central on the FDH Lounge.